assistance, and uh, I need uh, clarity. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us today and to help me today. God, I thank you. Thank you for all that you have done and all that you are doing even right in this moment, right here, right now. God, so many thoughts, so many emotions and feelings, so many uh, dis disruptions around and so many things going on in life. Lord, I need clarity. Need your help, Lord, to bring this forth in the way that you uh, desire it to go forth. It's your word, and I am just doing my best to accomplish what you desire to say and to speak to your people. God, and I'm asking for your help and for your strength, for your anointing to rest upon me, oh God, and let your words go forth into the right soil. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I want to, uh, I want to minister today from, from this idea, uh, confronting passive Pentecostalism. Last Sunday there was a there was a pressing that took place. There was a barrier, if I can put it that way, of resistance that we had to push through. Anybody else feel that? It usually shows up because we bring it. We pack it up with our Sunday outfit and carry it right in and it sits right next to us. Look at your neighbor and ask him if it's them. What opposition do we bring in? What resistance do we bring in? I want, to, I want to have two focal points on this, on this idea here this morning. I want to talk about external. External opposition. What are external op opposition? Or what's external resistance? Uh, obligations of life. Amen. We have to work. We have bills. They come in, don't they? When we move out of our parents' home, uh, there are bills. But while we are at home, there are bills. Right? How many have heard the, the famous phrase, uh, close the doors, were you born in a barn? We're not paying to heat the outside, right? <laughs> it costs to live. It's not free, right? If it's free for you, someone else is paying for it.
Now, some of this blends with the internal opposition that we will talk about in a moment. Part of that is our career path can be opposition. Did I choose my path or did God help me? Did God help me choose my path that I'm on right now, even right this very moment? Because with those external obligations come external expectations. Am I living my life for Him or for me? Is my focus what I want or is my focus what He wants? Do my, here's another question here, do my external expectations oppose God? My external obligations are connected to my external expectations. Is that making sense to you today? In America, we learn to live certain ways, don't we? We, we find ourselves in brackets. Economically, even geographically, we find ourselves in, in, in places where there are expectations. This is something over the past uh, several months that I feel like the Lord has been dealing with me about because I... I started an apprenticeship program and I learned a trade and a skill set. And so I had, by the time I graduated and entered the workforce as an electrician, as a licensed electrician, there were certain obligations that I had that I, that I established for myself. And there were, there were certain external expectations that I had for myself that everything had to be at this certain level of living. You get what I'm saying now? In our life, we have obligations to pay our bills and to survive. But we also have hidden, hidden external expectations of what we think we need and what we are trying to achieve in our life. That's why so many people have two-income families. Because there are certain obligations and expectations that they're trying to get a hold of. Right? We don't just work two jobs because, because we have to. We work two jobs because we want to. Because there is an external expectation that we are reaching for. Now, let's, let's talk about internal. The internal opposition that we have. So we just discussed the external opposition. Uh, now let's, let's talk about the internal opposition. And internal opposition is unbelief. Love of the world. 
spiritual indolence or avoidance of activity. Or let me put it this way, laziness is an opposition. It's an internal opposition. I would even say our external expectations leave no time for spiritual activity. Right? The, the, the quality of living that I'm trying to attain may be that opposing force that leaves me little to no time for anything spiritual. And in essence, what it, what it creates is laziness spiritually. If you followed spiritual indolence home from church, you would discover the reason for indolence. A life with too many other things. America has a problem of having an abundance of things. An abundance of obligation, an abundance of debt, abundance of quality of living, an abundance of things. Somewhere we've lost the simplicity of life and we've gained this expectation that I need all these things. That I need, I need this certain quality of life to live. And many, listen, many, many homes are, are giving their children to be raised by other people because they're both pursuing a career. I know it sounds a little heavy and a little harsh, but listen, the, the people that we give our children to, they're not going to have the same convictions that you have. They're not going to teach them the same principles that you would teach them. In fact, you, you might get, you ever notice that sometimes children, when the school starts back up, that they come home with attitudes? And you're like, you didn't learn that here. Where did you learn that at? Well, because there is something that goes on when we, when we place our children in the care of somebody that doesn't have the same goals that we do and the same, the same uh, agenda that we have. I'm going somewhere with this. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. I know it may seem like that I'm picking on... I'm picking on the church today because... In my title, the word Pentecostalism's there. But I want you to know that I'm Pentecostal too. So the things that I'm sharing, the things that I'm, I'm talking about this morning aren't, aren't coming from a place where they don't apply to me. They do absolutely apply to me. Love not the world... 
neither the things that are in the world. What are those things? What are the things that are in the world? Well, that's a pretty broad, a pretty broad uh, 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 word there, right? When you think about world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, uh, I want to just take a moment to point out that the scripture reveals to us right there uh, that he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, th this, this word goes along with passive, right? That word does not reveal to us a passive pursuit. Can it even be said that way? A passive idea. Doeth the will of God is actually getting involved. Getting invested in the very thing. He that doeth or carries out or performs the will of God, that is the one that lives forever. Verse 16 shows us what is in the world or, or the ungodly multitude and that's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. These are the things that are entrenched in our world. They are all around us. We, they're, on our, they're on our jobs, they're, they're in our schools, they're, we rub shoulders with them, it's all around us. There is an agenda all around us. The world all around us is in pursuit of of things that their eyes have pleasure in beholding and looking at. There is another form of opposition, and that's the accuser of the brethren. He's a, a liar. He's a deceiver. He's looking to devour. He is looking for opportunity to help someone completely resist God. How does he do it? He ministers to your flesh and your flesh or your will or, or your plans. They already oppose God. And so when he begins to lure people away with things that catch their eye or, or things that cause them to lust after them, then he already has hook, line, and sinker. That's what he wants to do is minister to what is already in opposition in your life. And that is your will. Your will wants those, those, those things that, uh, uh, just things in general, stuff, meaningless, worthlessness. Your flesh wants that. See, God called us into his kingdom to accomplish his will. And because we accepted the call, we accepted the surrender of our will, didn't we? When I came here... Uh, to say, Lord, I surrender all what I'm saying is, I I'm surrendering everything to you. My plans, my plans, my agenda, 
Everything that I've lived my life for up to this point, I surrender it to you. No longer for it to have an influence in my life or have a hold on me. But this isn't something, listen to me, brother and sister, this isn't something that will come naturally. When we surrender our life to the Lord and we give Him everything and say, I don't want my will, I want your will. That is not something that will come naturally. It will not come passively. That will have to be taken by force. You hear me? Aggressive. These are words that we don't like to hear. Listen. We won't willingly embrace self-denial and cross-bearing passively. Let me ask you this question. Do you accomplish anything in your life passively? I'm just going to let it. I'm going to let them give me a promotion. I ain't doing nothing to deserve it. I'm going to let them give it to me. Do you get where you are by letting others decide it for you? Are we promoted because we have been passive or because we proved, uh, uh, we proved uh, that we could do it on our own or that we wanted it and that we could handle it, but we did it in a passive way? Does a student graduate college by letting other people do the work for them. If, if I was on a job, which I have been uh, here this last week, where I've had to do 90% of the work. What if I just went there hoping that somebody else was about to do the work for me? Would it get finished? And many of us have assignments, we've have, we have tasks, and so we can't passively approach them or we'll do what? We'll lose our job. We'll lose, we'll lose our place of employment if we just say, you know what, I'm just not going to do it today. Somebody else is going to do it for me. But that's not the only thing that can be approached that way if we turn if we turn our attention to to living for God and surrendering our life to God are we living for God in a passive way God you called me to do something but I'm going to let so and so do it or you call me to surrender my life and surrender my plans and surrender everything to you, but I'm going to let somebody else do it. You hear me today? Confrontations are not easy, but this has to be confronted because we're living in an age where Pentecostals are living passively. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. 
Remember what happened last week? You know what we were declaring? We were declaring that we were sick and tired. We were fed up, right? Fed up. And where do we find ourselves again? Right back into the same thing if we're not careful. If we're not careful. We'll, we'll fall right back into the same rut. We'll fall right back into the same mentality that we've always uh, lived in and God's tried to pull us out of. And we'll, we'll just keep hitting that same thing. We'll keep hitting that same resistance, that same opposition. Listen, opposition doesn't go away because we give our life to the Lord and live for Him. Just the same way opposition meets you on Monday morning and it's there with you throughout your work week. Things that come your way that cause you issues, that cause you distractions. But somehow you learn, somehow you learn how to figure it out. Somehow you learn how to pull it all together and make it happen. Why? Because it has to get done. That is our goal and that is our responsibility. But we cannot do it if we are passive about it. And I know I just I mentioned this uh, a moment ago. You find the spiritual indolent and you follow them home and you will find somebody that is, is more committed to, to everything else. You know, I, I've been around the church for a long time. I've been out in the world for, a long, uh, for quite some time as well. Uh, when I backslid... I had I got a taste of both worlds, right? I got a I, I have a taste. I have had a taste for the world and I've had a taste for the Lord. And you know what? There is no comparison. There is absolutely no comparison. And so I, what I want to, more than anything is to become so aggressive in my pursuit of the Lord that there is an evidence of the manifestation of God's power and authority and there is true change and transformation that happens. Why? Because I want it. We're not going to come here and get anything in the house of the Lord unless we come in here aggressively and say, I want it. I want my life to look different. I want the fire of the Holy Ghost burning in my life. I want to be born again. I want to be redeemed. I want a breakthrough in my life. I don't want to stay the same. I want true change in my life. I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I want to watch hope well up in the eyes of the hopeless. It's not going to happen passively. The kingdom's not going to build itself. You hear me? The kingdom is not going to build itself. And so for so long, passive Pentecostalism has stood in the pews, uh, stood, stood at the pulpit, uh, and waited for the sinners to breach the doors of the sanctuary. That's passive. You hear what I'm saying? 
That's passive Pentecostalism. Is waiting for somebody in the world surrounded by darkness and wickedness to somehow get a revelation in the dark place and say, I got to go to high point today. It happens when somebody has had an encounter, has had an experience with the Lord, and God will give them direction. But listen, those are cases where we find one to five people a year that come into the church because God was dealing with them in in the world. But what has happened to an entire congregation of people who are just waiting for someone to walk through the door? tell you what needs to happen it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities verse 2 now when John had heard in the prison in in the prison the works of Christ he sent two of his disciples verse 3 and we'll stop there for now and said unto them art thou he that should come or do we look for another Listen, John was in prison, and it appears the one who declared, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was now wondering if he really was the Messiah. Did he hear of mercy and compassion and not justice? Listen, some scholars believe he was inquiring for his disciples. Maybe there was a rising up within his disciples that said, I don't know, this Jesus is not who you thought he, he's doing something completely different. He's not righting all the wrongs politically. He's not trying to overthrow the government. He's not trying to do these earthly things. He's doing something entirely different and we cannot comprehend what's going on. Well, go ask him. Go ask him. Are thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Regardless, I'm sure there was a little doubt in John's life, right? If we want to be real for a moment here, John had to wrestle with this. You know why I believe that? He was a man. Do you still wrestle with it? Do you still wrestle with doubt and unbelief? Even as a born-again believer, right? We wrestle with these things. It does not mean that we're not a believer. It just means that uh, we don't understand and, and we don't know. But, look, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't mean that God is going to cast us off or cast us aside because we're still trying to figure things out. No, he gives us space and he gives us opportunity and he showers us with mercy and grace oh, so we can understand that God is true. And he is the one. Verse, uh, verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto him, Go and show John again these things 
which ye do here and see. I want you to remember those, those two phrases there, here and see. Uh, and then verse 5. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. What, God, Jesus, yeah, but what does that do about our state of the world? What does that do about Rome? What does that do about the oppression of the enemy? What does that do about the earthly government and the earthly kingdom? Why does this mean anything to me? Listen, Jesus was not like, how dare you? But he did say, tell John. Tell John what you see and what you hear. Now let's look at uh, Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 18. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the, of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Jesus was referring to what John should have known. That was in the, buried within the, in the writings that they, that they studied. More importantly, what was Jesus trying to do? He was not trying to disrupt the earthly uh, kingdom. He was dry, trying to disrupt the force that was operating in the earthly kingdom. And that is darkness, right? There is a, a dark work in our world. And it's not that God wants to overthrow the United States government. He wants to overthrow uh, the work that is at play in the kingdom of the earth. Isaiah 35, verses 4 through 6. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong. Fear not, behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. Well, let's jump to Isaiah 61 and 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me. To preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. What Jesus did when he stepped on this earth was not overthrow an earthly kingdom, but he was working to overthrow a spiritual kingdom of darkness. He was working and he's still working today. He came with a great he came with vengeance to stop the works of darkness, to defeat the enemy, and to build a kingdom that would not have an end, that would never be defeated. Not so the church could become passive. 
This, this came to me uh, earlier yesterday. There is not one individual within the kingdom of God that did not meet resistance. That did not meet opposition. Opposition is part of it. We can't avoid it. We can't shy away from it. What we must do is become violent, aggressive against opposition. Now, listen, I'm not telling you to throw dukes with somebody. That's not the type of aggression that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about becoming angry. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not talking about getting an attitude and being mad at the sinners in our world and, and looking at them a certain way because they're, they're, they appear, uh, the, they have fruits of, of wickedness and unrighteousness. No, it's time to become aggressive and violent against the workers of darkness. The principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness. It's time to be aggressive the way we were uh, Sunday when we pressed through some things to get a hold of what God had for us. If we just passively come through the door and passively go out, you will do nothing for the kingdom. And the enemy knows that. The enemy wants you to be so persuaded. He doesn't want you to, sorry, he doesn't want you to be so persuaded that you become aggressive and violent to get a hold of the things that God has for the church. I know this is something that we don't hear a whole lot of. Because what? Because we've, we've just, we've built a culture of where we're afraid to speak truth. We've created a culture where we're, we're more worried about someone's feelings than them actually getting a hold of the truth for their own life. Passive Pentecostalism has created a, has created a mindset that I don't need to do anything except for come to church on Sunday and Wednesday. I don't need to do anything else. Meanwhile, we go and we fight. We fight everything that hell throws at us for our careers and for our jobs. Which you know what you know what they'll do in the end? They'll pass away. They'll pass away. I, I am not saying that you need to go put your two weeks in tomorrow. What I am saying is you need to evaluate your life. And if you're not giving God equal, then you're not giving him anything. If you're not, if you're not invested in, in, in the work and the pursuit of God because you're more invested in everything else, then you're not really living for him. It's as simple as Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Now this isn't something that I'm trying to be ridiculous about. This is, this is the word of God. And if we don't realize, if you don't realize that the enemy is not taking it easy on anybody, 
You see it in our culture. You see it in our world. There is so much confusion. There is so much uh, debauchery. There is so much uh, wickedness in our culture. And for the church to be passive about what's going on in our world, the church doesn't have a clue on what God is trying to do in this hour. This is the final hour, church. We are here for a purpose and a calling, and that is to become aggressive about the kingdom of God. Preaching to myself just as well. You know, this has been stirring. This has been stirring because I'm just tired. I'm tired of seeing this thing unfold and not and, and it, it not driving me to a point where I become aggressive. And Jesus' response to John was the words of the prophet Isaiah. Now listen, the word always brings verity to a question. And testimonies validate the manifestation of that truth. Both see and hear, right? I heard, I heard it for myself. I, I saw it for myself. This is exactly what was prophesied. This is truth manifesting, and that was the witness that they were going to take back to John. Go back and tell them what you hear and see, that the blind see and the lame, the lepers are cleansed and deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. These are all confrontations that Jesus presented to a culture of wickedness and darkness. Verse uh, uh, Matthew 11 and 6. Blessed is he. Whosoever shall not be offended in me. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. Not offended when Jesus' plan doesn't look like my or your plan. Not offended when your calling might land you in prison or even worse death. Not offended when it doesn't work out the way that you think it should work out. Not offended in Jesus. I don't have any preconceived ideas of what Jesus is supposed to be like. In my, I, but I do have a, a book that declares to me the character of God. And I see Jesus. I see his compassion and what he walked with. He wasn't aggressive to people. He was aggressive to the spirits that were working to destroy people. And he evicted them and healed the ones that have been tormented. He delivered the ones that have been troubled. 
verse, verse 7 through 9. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft, soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet, yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. What did you go out to see? Some people suggest the multitude went out to investigate. I have an image of, of traffic on the interstate backed up because of rubberneckers. You've been behind them. Right? You're, you're backed up for 35, 40 minutes on the interstate and you think, man, there's something bad going on. Somebody died. This is terrible. Only to find somebody on the side of the road changing their tire. Why was traffic so bad? Because everyone had to stop and investigate. Ooh, what are they doing? Oh, well, I'm glad I don't have a flat tire. But that's the world we live in. Just people want to go out just to investigate something. I want to go see what's going on. I want to go make sense of this. I heard about this thing, but I got to see it for myself. And so here we have it. Uh, they just wanted to see what the fuss was about, uh, not, and not, but not actually do anything when they get there. Now not all of them had that, uh, that perspective or that, uh, that idea. Uh, but, but listen, what, when, when they found John the Baptist in the wilderness, they didn't find some religious man in king's apparel in some house with fine garments. They found a wild man. Did they not? Who was against, who stood against every form of religious tradition and said there is coming there is coming one who is mightier than I listen he's about to baptize people with the Holy Ghost and fire and what you're calling church and what you're calling religion is going to be exposed as dead and weak that it is and those fine clothes that you're wearing they're not going to do you any good because there's going to be men who don't look like you who turn the world upside down who are not focused on looking the part but they're more focused on be in the part and, and get a hold of and getting a hold of God and getting a hold of the kingdom of God. Listen, you know what passive Pentecostalism is? I know how to look like a Pentecostal. I know how to put the clothes on, act the part. I know how to I know how to put my, my little effort forth. I, I, listen, we, we are so overprivileged. And under consecrated. We, we actually, some people actually walk around thinking that, that God needs them. They're so good. Listen, God doesn't need any of us. 
You know what? Because he can raise up anything. He can raise up any person. He can raise up any life. Uh, oh, I, I never want to think that I've attained something or I, got a, or I earned my way here or I, or I got to a point where I, I, learned, I learned all the right things on, on how to look a certain way or, or fit a certain role. Listen, I don't just want to be a facade. I want to have the working of God's spirit in my life uh, that the whole world knows that there is a God. I want every fake and false idea about God to be exposed. I want to be so aggressive about my relationship with the Lord that every effort outside of that is exposed for the false doctrine that it is. I made the comment, listen, if your church doesn't experience uh, uh, miraculous uh, things, then you're in the wrong church. If nobody's being transformed in your church, you need to find a different one. Right? This thing has to be exposed because you know what God wants to do? He wants to deliver. You know what He wants to do? You know what His will is? He wants to redeem. You know what God wants to do in this hour? He wants to save. He wants to make free. He wants to bring deliverance. And it's not going to come through passive Pentecostalism. Nobody's going to be saved just because I decided to show up on Sunday. No, but somebody's going to be a saved when I get a hold of God. When I lay hold on what God, when I lay hold on the promises. You know, here's the key word. We've got to lay hold on some things. And you've got to become violent about it. You've got to become aggressive about the kingdom of God. Listen, one thing here. Man. What did you go out to see? You see somebody that's going to be out there preaching in their long robe and their soft garments, some kind of false idea some kind of doctrine that blows with the wind. Listen, reads when when he said What did you go out into the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind? Reeds they were that were they were in reference to to rushes that grow up on the uh, on the banks of the Jordan and they would just blow back and forth you know they 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 didn't really have any depth they weren't really deep they were carried about with every wind of doctrine what did they what did the multitudes go out in the wilderness to see who is this madman this crazy man is he is he just another religious man that's out there speaking some crazy things some ideas that they're they, they have no depth listen our world is full of that full of that spirit people out here they're swaying in the wind blowing about with every wind of doctrine they have no real depth. They have no real understanding. There is real no, no real power. They're just being carried about. 
And you know what the enemy wants to do? The enemy just wants us to be carried about. He wants us to just be carried about. He does not want you to get fed up. He doesn't want you to get fed up and say, you know what? I'm going to fight. It's time to fight back. I've been backing up and in a, defensive, uh, in, a, in, a, in a defensive posture for far too long. It's time to get the sword out and begin to fight. I'm not going to fight my brother or sister. I'm not going to fight people in the world. I'm going to take it to prayer. I'm going to get into the house of the Lord and I'm going to get aggressive. Let's stand. I want to finish this this afternoon because I believe God wants to break some things here today. Listen, you know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of passive Pentecostalism. That's not what God called us to be. God didn't call us to be comfortable. He didn't call us to to be at ease. He called us to move. And He called us to be aggressive. Listen, hell is not going to re- is not going to let up because we're here. Hell is not going to uh, stop destroying people's lives because we decided to get up out of the bed and go to church today. We're not doing God any favors by just showing up. But listen, when we get a hold of this and we become aggressive, when I come to the house of the Lord and I meet resistance, you know what, I'm I'm not going to sit back and say, well, I guess it's just not my day. We'll try again next week. I'm just not feeling it today. You know what? That's when we need to get the most aggressive about it. I'm going to praise Jesus. I don't care how I feel and what's going on. Your greatest breakthrough is going to be determined about the amount of aggression that you're willing to get. Listen, I wish... I wish today that somebody would praise the Lord based on what you want God to do. Not just in your life, but in people around you. And, and where I, I, My reflection of praise, listen, my praise uh, ought to reflect what I, really, what I really want God to do uh, and what I want. Uh, I want the promises that God has for me. I want to accomplish those things. And so today we have an opportunity for all of us here today to become aggressive in, in our worship and praise. Uh, we don't have to mosh. We don't have to start a mosh pit. That's ridiculous. I hope you don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but becoming aggressive and you're saying, you know what? Oh, uh, my passive self just wants me to stand right here and not worship the Lord. Oh, but my aggressive self, is it's time to take a lap. It's time to lift my voice. It's time to raise my hands. I'm not going to be passive any longer. I'm going to become violent and aggressive in my worship. Listen, brother and sister, take a few moments, greet one another. Let's remember this when we go into the next service, that we don't fall back into our usual state of affairs. Let's come back in with a renewed understanding and perspective of what we want to do in the name of Jesus. Amen, y'all. Free to move about for a moment.
Is there anybody out there that's ready to magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today? Come on, I think it's time that we give God our very best. <laughs> let it not be a question of whether we're thankful for what God has done, but let Him know our gratitude. Let Him know our thankfulness today. Let Him know how much we love and appreciate everything He is and everything that He's done. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus today. Come on, is there anybody that wants to lift up that name? Is there anybody that wants to speak the name of Jesus and praise the name of Jesus and honor the King? Oh, we worship you today, Jesus. We lift up our voice today, God, and have it the praises of your people today. Oh, we're going to give you an opportunity to give today. Present your offering to the Lord up front in this wooden box here. And if you just want to take a moment and worship God and just begin to break out into praise, we're going to give you that opportunity. Listen, at any given moment, I want you to feel like I can step up and I can step out and I can magnify the Lord. I can exalt Him. There is a freedom in the house of worship, in the house of prayer, to magnify His name. Let's exalt His name together, brother and sister. Well, that's it. Let's keep lifting up our voices to Him today. He's worthy. Hallelujah. God, we worship You, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We've waited for this day.
open up. Can you honestly say that what I've given the Lord right now declares to Him how much I need those windows to open. How desperate I am for the touch of the Master. Yes! Open up the heavens! I want to see you, God! Come on, I think you gotta be louder than the naysayers. You gotta be louder than the scoffers. You gotta be louder than the enemy. Open up the heavens, God. I wanna see you. Show us, show us your glory. Come on, oh. We see enough of earth's glory. 
We see enough of the glory of the kingdom of this world. But show us. Show us your glory, God. Come on, I believe today the windows of heaven can be opened up. And the Spirit of the Lord can rain upon somebody here today. If you get a hold of this day, come on, if you get a hold of this day, seize this day. What's that, say, what's that uh, phrase that they say, carpe diem, in, in our world? Seize the moment. Come on, it's time to seize a moment. What do you do when you seize a moment? You take hold of it. I'm taking hold of this moment. God, I'm in need. My family's in need. My life's a wreck. I'm going to seize this day. I'm going to seize this. I'm going to lay hold on it right now. I'm going to lay hold on it. Come on, anybody want to lay hold on your healing? You want to lay hold on your deliverance? Why don't you storm up front here? We're going to pray for you and believe that God is going to touch your life, that he's going to open up the windows, and he's going to pour out on you. Come on, come up here and get a hold of it. Get a hold of God. And church, let's be in prayer. Come on, if you don't have a need, then why don't you help somebody else get a hold of the need that God can accomplish today for them in this moment. Amen. Let's pray, church. Can we get somebody to stand in for Sister Mary Howard and her family? They're sick. Somebody come up front and stand in for them, and we'll have prayer for them. Before, before we do that, listen, I, we, need to, we need to pray for my mother, and we need to pray uh, for Sister, Sister Mary. So if I could have somebody come up and stand in the way for my mom. Okay, all right. And uh, who's going to stand in for Sister Mary? Okay, so right here, we're going to lift up these needs here today. Amen, church, let's pray.
up one more time. All over this house, lift your voice and say, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Oh, yes, he is. And he's just the same. Oh, I Honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know hey, everything I need you've got. There's honey in the rock. Praying for a miracle, thirsty for the living well. Only you can satisfy Sweetness at the mercy seat Now I've tasted It's not hard to see it Only you can satisfy Cause there's honey in the rock Oh, honey in the rock Church, you are all that I. 
praying, you keep moving, and I keep praising, you keep proving, I have all that I need. Oh, yes, I do. You are all that I need. Hey! I keep looking, I keep finding, you keep giving, keep providing.
banner on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know. Everything I need, you've got. There's honey in the rock, purpose in your plan, power in the blood, healing in your hand. It started flowing when you said it is done. Jesus, Jesus, who you are is enough. There's honey in the rock. 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 Say, oh, how sweet. Oh, how sweet. How sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet. How sweet it is to trust in trust in you Jesus oh how sweet how sweet it is to trust in you Jesus and Jesus Jesus how I trust him how I've proved him more and Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him. One more time, lift it up, say Jesus, Jesus. Yes. 
moving on through troubled days. Anyone who knows they have a future and a hope beyond the grave. Listen, every life's a different story. How he brought us out of darkness into Keep us silent. Every breath's another chance to testify. Oh, when I shout, when I shout, no, I'm shouting from a heart that's been washed clean. When I run, no, I'm running from a past that's been breathing to the world. It might look crazy, but there's just no telling what you're gonna do in that moment. In that moment. Bye. 
from a heart that's been washed clean. When I run, no, I'm running from a past that's been redeemed. Hey, to this world, get mine the crazy. To your neighbor, it might look crazy. Hey, but there's just no telling why. There's just no telling why. Oh, you gotta do. Oh, in that moment, I thank God for a moment. I thank God for a moment. I praise God. Was a moment. I thank you, Jesus, for that moment. Oh, that moment, Jesus gets a hold of you. Come on, do you remember that moment? Do you remember the moment that he met you? Listen, I remember the shape I was in when he found me. And so the Lord has blessed me. He has blessed me. But I never want to forget where he found me. And think that I had anything to do with where I am. It's because of his mercy. It's because of his goodness, his grace that I stand here before you. That you even stand here in this building this afternoon. It's because of God's mercy. It's because of His grace. It's because of His love for you. Oh. (laughs) Come on, it's back again. The resistance, what we've been talking about, the opposition, it's back again. Come on, what are you going to do? Are you going to let your enemy have his way? Are you going to let the enemy destroy what God has saved? Come on. God has saved us to live victorious and to be victorious. The enemy shall not have his way. The the gates of hell shall not prevail. I'm stepping into my rightful role as a son of God. I'm a child of the king. Oh, I'm an heir to the throne. I've got the power and the authority, and I got the resources of heaven. I've got the kingdom of God on my side, and there is no enemy. Come on, child of the king. God has all resources in your life. 
Somebody get a hold of this today. Somebody get a hold of God. Come on, why don't you break outside of yourself? Come on, that's it. Come on, the enemy's not going to take it easy on you. It's time to become aggressive against him. Come on, but you got the authority and you got the dominion over the enemy. Come on, why don't you bind some things? Why don't you lose some things? Come on, get aggressive. that I am a victor because I am in a covenant relationship with the victor and if he has sealed the promise of my victory then all I've got to do is show up on the battlefield ready to fight ready to go to war against the enemy I know he's defeated but that does not give me grounds for complacency that does not give me grounds to be passive you look hell right between the eyes and say I'm not coming with you why don't you look the opposition right between the eyes and say I'm not going where you're trying to take me to I got a different destiny I got a different goal there's a different end result and I've been sealed I see him breaking in on you right now. I see your deliverance breaking in on you right now. Come on, I see the enemy backing up. And I see the victor breaking in on your situation right now. 
Come on, that's it. Break out of the shell. Break out the old identity and step into the newness of life. Step into that new identity. Come on, Bartimaeus, throw your coat off and walk to your healing and walk to your deliverance. By the authority of the Word of God and by the power that is in the name of Jesus, I release deliverance over this congregation. I release healing over this congregation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, I wish somebody would shed tradition right now. I wish you'd shed tradition right now. Shed that idea that you got it all together and that there's nothing wrong in your life. Why don't you shed that idea and break through the resistance and step into the true freedom that God has for you. There is deliverance. There is freedom. But you got to shed tradition. you got to shed dead, draw, dead, dry religion. Shed it like you take a garment off. I'm no longer going to be bound to who I was as a man that followed tradition. I'm no longer going to be bound as a, as a child of the king, bound to some religious thing. No! Come on, why don't you look intimidation right in the face and say, I don't care what you're offering. I'm not buying into it. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why don't you tell the enemy, I'm tired of giving myself away to you, to your false ideas and doctrines. I'm tired of walking around depressed and discouraged. I'm tired of being frustrated. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of watching darkness increase all around me. I'm tired of watching the enemy seem to be stronger.
Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. The door is being opened for you right now. Come on, that resistance is lifting right now and a door is being opened for you. Come on, it's time to move through that door and step into that place of freedom. Yes, yes. Jesus, come on. For you that are in the seats right now, come on, why don't you reach? Reach for the Lord. Reach for him. I know that you're in need. I know that you're in need right now. He knows that you're in need, and that's why he's here. The Lord will work, but who will let him? Come on, will you let him work? Jesus, 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 Hallelujah, Hallelujah. 
I believe the Lord has given me a word for this day. I, be, I believe the Lord has given me a word for this day for His people. Listen, there are things that have got to change. There are things that must change today. Today there are things that must change. If they do not change, they will become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you cannot fight them off now, there is no chance of you fighting them off later. Listen, we talked, we talked about, we talked about being aggressive, not being passive anymore. Listen, God is sending us a message that it's time for us to dig our heels down. And it's time for us to become aggressive against the works of darkness that has affected our homes. The spirit of the age has crept into our lives. It's crept into the church, but it's came into the church from the homes. 
Listen, God is sending us a strong message that it's time to get our houses in order. The enemy, the enemy is propagating his agenda through what the church has been exposed to by what they've brought into their homes. And it's time to become aggressive against that spirit. If we don't do it now, if we can't run with the footmen, how can we run with the horses? Listen, the Lord did not call us into his kingdom for us to play patty cake with the enemy. The enemy has people convinced that they can live any old way that they want to and still slide into heaven. But the enemy, the enemy has been a liar from the beginning and nothing has changed. He's still a liar and he is still seeking whom he may devour. He's still running around trying to destroy and trying to confuse and trying to lead astray. He still, he still wants you to join him in the place that was created for him. I want, I, want, I want to address some things today. The Lord wants to address some things today. Come on, if you got a, brethren, if you got a tile, would you take your tile off? I don't care if you got a stain. You'll thank me later. Or you can thank me now. You did, didn't you? No, no, I don't want it. I got enough of them. About to get rid of them. Listen, what God called us to is to not be fancy. We, we, have, we have dressed it up as honoring God while we look in the mirror and say, I look good. Let me tell you what Jesus said. He said, he said, soft clothes are for the palaces. The Pharisees had soft clothes, right? I'm not saying we got to come in like John the Baptist, but I want, I want you to look at, I want you to look at the contrast of this. Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. I believe it's uh, Matthew chapter 3 and verse, it was in our, uh, I think it's verse 8, Matthew 3 and verse 8. No, it's not it. Oh, 
Okay, verse 4, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 4. What is, what is, what is, what is John saying here? Or what is Matthew writing about John? John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and honey. John, John was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And that cry, that cry was loud enough to cause a disturbance. It was aggressive. This man stood in opposition to what the Pharisees and the Sadducees had established the kingdom of God to look like. Soft clothing are in king's houses. A man in soft clothing with doctrine that changes with feelings and culture. That's what they went out to see. They went out to see and hear this of this man uh, that maybe they got an image that he was going to be clothed in soft clothes and, and talking about some strange things. But when they found him, when, when they found him, he did not look like all of the other religious people. He looked a little wild and a little crazy. He looked a little beside himself. What we have convinced ourselves by coming into the church, uh, this passive Pentecostalism, is that everything is okay as long as I look okay. Come on, but the truth is it does not matter what I look like, what's in my closet. It's like what's, it's about what's in my heart, what's in my life. If I'm a mess, I can dress it up all I want, but the truth is inside I'm a mess. And so the only way I'm going to get out is not through tradition. It's going to be when I decide to lose myself, get beside myself, and become a little aggressive about my victory, a little aggressive about what I want God to do in my life. You know what? I felt the resistance as I untucked my shirt. But why is that? And took my tie off. Took my jacket off. Listen, we are so, we are so fixated on traditional things uh, that when somebody breaks, uh, breaks the mold, we think they're losing it. But the truth is, that's what they probably saw when they found John the Baptist standing there saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Come on, I wish there would be somebody that get a little wild and say, it does not matter how fancy I am. What really matters is that I am propagating the gospel. What, what, what John the Baptist is, he's an icon. John the Baptist is an icon of violent opposition against religion. You know what happened when the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to see him? Brutal vipers. Who told you to flee from the wrath? You didn't come here. You came here to investigate 
You came here to try to figure out uh, who was about to expose the deadness in your life. Uh, you came to figure out uh, or to find out who was about to wreck your religious world. Uh, and it's starting here. Uh, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Listen, in a few moments of time, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And when that happens, there will be a wrecking and an overthrowing of your religion. I hate to even think about how many churches are in this city. That aren't preaching the truth. That we almost mirror in tradition except for a few things, right? The churches up the street, they clock in, they clock out. They dress nice and appropriately uh, as according to tradition. They got all those boxes checked. But there is no life and there is no demonstration or manifestation of God's power. What makes us different is not what's on the sign out there. It's not a religion. It's not an organization. It's a spirit. It's the spirit of God that's at work. And we still believe that God fills people with his spirit. And we still believe that God transforms people. We still believe that God meets people stuck in tradition and, and delivers them from it. I believe there are people right now that are wrestling with saying, is this all that there is? There are people out there that want to know truth. But you know the thing is, they assume you believe the same thing they do. But until they know anything different, they won't think anything different. The conversations that I've had here lately, you know, are, I think are, are, are eye-opening uh, for certain individuals. And it's, it's not anything to do with me. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? But what you have a hold of, I've said this before, you're a light bearer. You got a hold of the truth. You got a hold of the doctrine. You got a hold of transforming power. And when you take that to people, you know what it does? It transforms their life. But we're not going to do it inviting them to some kind of ritualistic, uh, dry religious uh, ceremony. What's going to change their life is when we give ourselves to the kingdom and the will of God and we become aggressive about it. We become aggressive about the lost. We become aggressive about the spirits that are at work and we get violent. People think they've lost their mind. I've lost my mind. I've found my purpose. So take off your tie. Untuck your shirt. Be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to look a little silly and maybe even look a little wild if it means that what I'm about to be a part of is life transforming gospel power. John had his raiment of camel's hair a leathern girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey. This man was wild and strange. 
You know what? You know what? I, I think it's okay that the denominal world thinks we're strange. I think it's okay that they have no clue why we're so excited. I think it's okay that we come into church and we fight demons. I think it's okay that we come into the church and we lift up our hands even though we don't feel like it because we know there's a breakthrough on its way. I think it's okay that, you know what, we wrestle with some things in our life. As long as we make it up in our mind, I'm going to get through this, and the wrestle, it will be over once I get my victory. I'm getting out of this. I'm coming out. Blind Bartimaeus, you're not going to be blind forever. There's coming a day you're going to shake off that old identity and you're going to step into your deliverance. You're going to step into your breakthrough and God is going to open your eyes and you're no longer going to be who you were. Go down to verse 11. I'm going to try to wrap this thing up. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Listen, John was talking about a day that he would not get to experience, but it was enough for him to look into the face of opposition and say there is coming one who is going to overthrow everything you stand for, everything that's going on in this world. Now let's go back to Matthew 11 and 11 and 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. You know what he was saying? Up to this point, there is no one that has been greater than John. Now withstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You know what he's saying? There is going to be a church that is going to be greater than everything, every prophet, every dispensation prior to this. There's going to be a church that's going to have power. They're going to have authority. They're going to wreck the kingdom of hell. They're going to turn the world upside down. They're going to fill Jerusalem with the doctrine. They're going to fill this earth with the message of hope and love and power and transformation because there's a church that's going to do exactly what verse 12 says Matthew eleven twelve. and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force You know when the church is going to be victorious? When they take it. When we take victory. You're not going to gain victory passively. You're going to have to take it. You're going to have to take it. I know that wrecks your theology right now. You're going to have to take it. It's available for you, but you've got to lay hold on it. 
you got to lay hold on it. Listen, there is no passive Pentecostalism. That's something we created. And you know what that is? That's out of the pits of hell. You know what it's time for us to do is become violent and fight every attempt to, to lead us astray. We can be Pentecostal and be led astray. We can sit on church pews all our life and be lost. We can believe a lie and be damned. But what we must do is get a hold of God with everything that we have to fight off everything that's trying to destroy us. The violent take it by force. What John was pre preparing for, Jesus was stepping into. Darkness was meeting the violent overthrow of the kingdom of God. It is the stone mentioned in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. We are not part of a passive kingdom, but a violent, not in the negative sense our world views, but in a spiritual sense. We are part of a spiritual kingdom that is violent. where we have weapons of warfare. Why do we have weapons if they're not meant for violence? Why does Paul go in great depths to talk about the weapons of our warfare if they're not meant to be used? Let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, verses 10 through 20. We'll read them real quick, just real quick. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Do we think that we can stand against the devil himself without the protection of the whole armor of God? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. Listen, there is no earthly weapon that we can pick up that will ward off the enemy. What we must do is pick up the weapons of our warfare. We must not wrestle against flesh and blood. We've got to fight the principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Listen, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. I'm not backing down. I got the truth of the gospel. Having on the breastplate of righteousness, I'm not moving anywhere, Satan and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I'm moving forward. I'm going to stand and start marching. Listen. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. I got the shield of faith. I'm fighting. I'm warding off the enemy. But listen, defensive position is not where we stay. Defensive position is part of it. But we we guard with one arm and we fight with the other. And taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Not just tidy cake prayers, not just going through the motion, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Where? 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 In the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You know what I was talking about when I said passive Pentecostalism? You cannot pray in the spirit and be passive. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in bonds that thereon I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know what speaking boldly is? It's looking at the opposition and saying, I'm not intimidated. I've got the whole armor. Some of you need to stop being intimidated by the enemy and put on the whole armor of God and say, I've got protection. Listen, 2 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. What you see before you. You know, and I've heard this before, and I think it's wrong. For somebody to say not everything is spiritual is wrong. Because it's all spiritual. It's all spiritual. Do you hear me today? Everything that we're involved in in this world, it's all spiritual. It's either the spirit of darkness or it's the spirit of light. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, but the pulling down of strongholds. Listen, you know what God's given us? He's given us weapons that tear down strongholds, but that cannot be done passively. You will not tear down a stronghold passively. You've got to get aggressive about it. You've got to go to the Lord in prayer. That's where we take our aggression to. We take our aggression to an altar that we build and consecrated our life to God and say, I'm going to fight hell. I'm not going to let my pastor fight by himself. I'm not going to let my pastor's wife fight by herself. I'm not going to let that family fight by themselves. Listen, I'm going to build myself an altar. You know what? Because I'm part of the kingdom, and God's given me weapons, and God gives, God's given me an armor, and now I can get involved. casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, what bringing every, you know what bringing into captivity every thought to obedience of Christ is? Aggression. The thoughts that come to you that try to lead you astray, you've got to take aggressive measures to bring them into captivity. It's not going to just be like, well, I'm just going to let them go in one, out, in one ear out the other. No, you must be a violent to stop it. Those thoughts are trying to get into your heart to produce corrupt fruit. Come on, if we, if we knew those words would produce corruption in our life, we'd fight, we'd fight uh, tooth and nail, wouldn't we? But listen, what I said earlier about what we do on our jobs, 
Listen to me. We do everything. We do everything we're supposed to do to get it done. We don't approach our career passively. We go after it, don't we? Why aren't we going after God? Why aren't we becoming aggressive? You know what? I think some people act like they don't have anything to do. You know what boredom is? Boredom is saying, God, I don't know what to do. When, they're, when, you're, in a, when you're in a war. There's, there's too many scriptures that talk about it, right? There's too many scriptures that talk about there is a war going on. And Paul even said, inside of me there's a war. Inside of me there is a storm. There is a, there is a conquest Right? To see who's going to be conquered. You know what I ought to do? I ought to be so aggressive to chase after the Lord that the flesh doesn't even have a foothold. The flesh doesn't even have a voice. The flesh doesn't even have a handle. It doesn't have anything to grab a hold of. Listen, but you know what? We're going to have to drop the laziness and the passiveness of just, you know what? This is just another Sunday. I got, a, I got a basketball game or a football game to watch after this or I got something to work on in my, in my garage or I got, a, I got something. To, you know what we got to do? We got to drop our plans outside of fighting hell. Verse 6. And having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Hmm. A readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We won't dig into that. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. I'm coming too close. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. When you follow after something, you can't do it passively. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. What does he say? Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Come on, lay hold on eternal life. How do we meet resistance? With aggression. How do we meet apathy, indifference, lust, pride, unbelief? Not passively. We confront the darkness in our life with violence. We lay hold on the issues and we bring them into captivity. Every kingdom, every kingdom minded man or woman met resistance the same way with violence. Every time somebody needed something to change in their life, they used violence, aggression. 
they didn't they didn't use violence against one another. They, they, their violence was in their intensity to get to the solution uh, that their problem would be fixed, uh, that their life would change. Let's look at Luke chapter 16 and verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John, since that the time kingdom the t- uh, time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. Every man presseth into it. You know what that is? That's not passive. That's not passive. That's pressing. Anybody know what it's like to press? They take hold of it. Use force. They apply force. Now, I'm going I'm to pass through some of these scriptures here just to give you a reference, and then I'm closed, and I'm done. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 7, and we'll read these rather quick. These are all in Matthew. When Jesus, when Jesus was entered into uh, Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. You know what, what brought about healing and change in that centurion's home? Is he went to Jesus. He made his way to Jesus. He didn't wait for Jesus to find him. He made his way to Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verses uh, uh, 20 and 21, or 22. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Now this wasn't some easy task to just kind of walk by passively and just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. No, she pressed her way through the crowd and she did all that she could to just reach out and get a hold of that garment. Knowing that there was wholeness when she did it. Jesus turned him about and when he saw her he said daughter be of good comfort thy faith hath made thee whole and the woman was made whole from that hour you know how she got her wholeness she pressed she pressed through the crowd and got a hold of him and he healed her that was faith he said your faith hath made thee whole jumping down to verse 27 29 and when Jesus departed, thence two blind men followed him. They, listen, they followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Verse 28, and when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. They didn't stop. Listen, you know what Jesus does sometimes is he keeps on marching. Oh, I want to see what kind of tenacity they have to really get what God, uh, to really get their healing. Or their, I want to see what they're made of. If they got enough uh, to follow after me, where, where is their faith? Jesus saith unto him, believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, yea, Lord, yea. 
Then touched he their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, in any of these so far, did Jesus go to them? Verses 32 through 33, same chapter. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with the devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. Listen, Jesus, Jesus blew the minds of all those around. We've never seen anything like this, Jesus. Matthew 14, 34 through 36. And when, and when they were gone over, they came into the land Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about. And they brought unto him all that were diseased. And besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Ah, when the master touches us, it's because we made our way to him. Oh, I believe what we got to get is a hold of this. If what I want, what I need and what I want from the Lord, I must go after him. Matthew chapter 15, verse 22 through 28. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Listen, she's troubling us. She's not stopping. What do we do with her? Send her away. Next verse. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was the first no. And some people give up after the first no. Some people give up when they don't get the report they needed to hear. Oh, then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. In verse 26. But he answered her and said, it is not me to, to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. Come on, I'm not getting what I need and where I need to get to. Oh, but I'm not going anywhere else. Verse 27. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her woman, O great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Listen, now it didn't seem like great faith when there was a no involved. Mm. Matthew 17, 14 through 21. This is where... When the, they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, 
Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I, I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Now listen, I want us to back up there for a moment as I'm closing with this. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Now we know up to this point that Jesus had given them the authority. But what, what was, there was an underlining issue that was involved in this. And they could not cure him. Verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why, why could we, why could not we cast him out? I believe this is a, this is a, a perplexity of people today. Why can't we do it? Why can't it, why can't it be accomplished? And Jesus said it right here. He said to them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if all you have, right, all you need is a grain. All you have is, if, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. But there is something, there is something that's wrong. You've got unbelief. It doesn't take much, just a grain, a grain of faith, but you got unbelief. And it doesn't matter how much you say you believe. If there's unbelief in there, you can do nothing. Now, I want you to notice something. Jesus had given the disciples the authority to cast out the devil. What did he send the 12 and the 70 to do? to cast out the devils, to lay hands on the sick. They have the authority. But here we have an, a situation here. Let's go to 21. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. You know what's lacking, and we've been talking about this. My wife has been, she talked about, we, we talked about it Sunday, she talked about it Wednesday, and we're going to touch on it again right now. The only way to counter and defeat unbelief in our life is through fasting and prayer. A church is powerless where there's no fasting and prayer. Because the only way we can drive unbelief out is through fasting. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. What do you think he was talking about when he said this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting? He wasn't talking about the devil, right? Because we just speak the name of Jesus over them. We come against them with that authority of that name of Jesus, and they have to flee. The problem is, is unbelief has to be removed through prayer and fasting. So why doesn't the church fast? It's, it's not fun. It's not a fun, but you know what it is? It's aggressive. It's aggressive against the flesh. It's aggressive against the enemies of darkness. The enemy wants, wants us to be so fat that we're lazy. Spiritually, you know what I'm saying? Just so full, eating at the king's table that I can barely move. 
But listen, when we really get a hold of God and we stop being lazy and take lay hold on eternal life and become aggressive and start praying and fasting, listen, we will start seeing results. We will start seeing things change. We will start seeing deliverance. We'll start seeing healings and miracles. We'll start seeing all these things that we're like, God, why are we not seeing all these things? We're praying for them, but do you believe? Mark 16, what does Mark 16 say? These signs shall follow them that believe. So, so the, the, the commandment is there will be signs for a believer. If there are not any signs in my life, then there is something that's wrong. Then there's some unbelief that has been hanging out. Because here's the thing, we can be traditional and religious and be bound in unbelief and not really believe that God is going to do it. Because you know what, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. You know what, we, there ought to be something inside of us to say, what, 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 can, what can I do to get through this? And, and Jesus, you know what Jesus will always say? Fast. Fast. Push back the plate. Stop making excuses. Well, we got Thanksgiving coming up in two weeks. I got to get ready. You know what that is? That's an excuse, right? That's an excuse to be lazy. We're either going to make a difference or we're going to die. You know what? I want to make a difference. I want, I want there to be power. Listen, I want there to be, I want it to be known that there is a God on the throne who is at work in humanity. And there is a church that still believes that we can pull people up out of wheelchairs and that blinded eyes can be open and that devils can be evicted. Come on, you know what? We ought to, we ought to become aggressive when you try to rebuke a devil and he laughs at you. Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Let's stand. I know this message is a little bit aggressive and a, and a little bit wild, but you know what? We have to do something different. What we have done for years, there have been some good things and there have been some unprofitable things. Do you know what will happen on the day of judgment? All the unprofitable things will be burned up and only the good things will remain. You know what? I just want profitable things in my life. I want profitable things. I want God to rely on me because I've made myself available for him. I want him, when he looks for one to stand in the gap, uh, that he doesn't have to go very far, that there is an availability in our household, that there is an availability in my life, uh, that, Lord, whatever you're calling me to, I'm ready for it. I'm available because I still believe.
Are we sold out or have we sold out? Listen, this altar is open for anyone that feels like you're, you're tired of hitting that wall. You're tired of running to the same things and you want to see true change. Listen, God has something for all of us here today. But you know what? We've got to reach out and get it. Come on, don't let this moment pass you by. You need to reach out. Come on, you need to become aggressive. I see you withering away. I see your faith withering away. Come on, you ought to be aggressive to get back to get back to that place that you once knew, you once believed, you once hoped, you once had confidence, and somehow something's changed. I want to become aggressive to get back to that place. Come on, church, let's take it. Let's take it today. Take it by force. Grab a hold of it. Latch on to it and leave here with it. Don't leave here without it. Take it with you.